Greetings, Cap fans, and welcome to another episode of the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. This is episode 21, and I am your host, Rick Verbanis. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Bob Lucius. Bob, what's happening? Well, Rick, it's, you know, it's what? It's it's Tuesday night. What is it? And I'm baking on my juices down here in Florida. So I'm happy to be under the fan with a cold drink in my hand, ready to wrap cap. Oh, I like that. That sounds pretty good. Uh, and uh, so for this episode, we're going to be diving into part two uh, of our two podcast, two episode series here uh, featuring the Winter Soldier. Uh, so we're looking at volume five of Captain America. Uh, and in podcast 19, we covered uh, Winter Soldiers part one, two and three. Um, and now in this episode, we're going to cover four, five and six. So if you haven't listened to podcast 19, probably should go and do that first. Um, but if you have, oh, this is going to be a great story. We are going to finish up now that um, Cap knows that the Winter Soldier is his long lost pal, Bucky. Now he's got to confront him. And so this is going to be one heck of a story. So we'll cover that here in a moment. Um, also, just to remind everybody that we uh, are doing our Falcon and Winter Soldier reaction podcast. Uh, so we've done the, um, the last two. Uh, the last one, which uh, we had Dave Winham on, and uh, it was great talking with him. He's a big U.S. agent fan. So that was fun. And then we've got the new one coming out after uh, the third episode. So we'll have that coming out this Sunday and uh, react to that. So um, by all means, check those out if you haven't already. And also, uh, as a reminder, what's going on in the Captain America comic book fans Facebook page, uh, we've got our Cap Madness, uh, which is our, uh, it's our kind of homage to the March Madness bracket. And you can go on there, and we have 32 different Captain America artists that are battling it out and you get to vote uh, for each one. Every day is a new challenge and uh, going on in today. Ooh, today's a good one. Today we've got Ron Garney going up against Jackson Butch Geis. Who are you going to vote for there, Bob? Oh, Man, that's a, that's a tough one. That's a tough one, Rick. And, you know, I, I gotta, I gotta give props to you, Rick. You know, I don't normally like to, to give compliments to you, but today I'm going to give a compliment to you. This uh -oh. March, All right, hold on. Let me, are we recording? Yeah, are yeah, we recording here? This, this cap madness, uh, event that you put together has been just an absolute ball. Uh, it, it's been great. You know, just the sort of spirited conversations that people are having, throwing up art as examples for, you know, to back their their vote. I mean, it's 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 a lot of fun. Um, and I've learned a lot, too. So, I mean, this is this has been great. It's it was genius, Rick. Oh, thank you. And it was a labor of love. Uh, it actually is something I've been wanting to do for a very long time. But I had to wait for March Madness to start just to, you know, have it really make sense. Um, so I'm glad we're getting a lot of responses. Uh, a lot of people are voting um, and uh, everybody's, you know, uh, pro their artist, not anti the other artist, which is really, isn't that really what would Cap do? So yeah, it, it's refreshing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a lot, of, a lot of fun doing that. So check that out on the Facebook page. Yeah. 
If you don't get into it, I mean, if, if, if the listeners out there don't participate, you're going to be kicking yourself when you get down to the final two. They're going to be kicking themselves that they didn't like weigh in. Uh, that's true. Yeah. So so right now we're, we're kind of halfway through round one. And uh, tomorrow, uh, oh, here's another good matchup. We got John Romita Sr., right? Classic. He, 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 listen, he's a golden age and silver age cap artist. So that's a heavy hitter right there. But he's going up against Luke Ross. And, you know, so we're talking right now about the Ed Brubaker series. And Luke Ross has uh, been one of the, uh, the, the pivotal artists on this series. So uh, it, I guess you're looking at old school versus uh, recent fan favorites of the Ed Brubaker series. This is like Sophie's Choice, Rick. <laughs> like, which, which child do I sacrifice? Oh, well, you know what? Go on the Facebook page, cast your vote, and uh, we tally it every day at noon and then we start another one and they run they're up there for 24 hours so check it out all right let's get to the winter soldier part four so i am looking here at my copy uh that uh i've had uh since um you know this is this only the second time i think i've ever read it um the first time when it came out and then for this show i had to uh to read them and um man brings back awesome memories. So on the cover here of uh, Captain America, volume five, number 12. um, And this came out, it had a cover date of December, 2005. Um, So again, we were talking about Ed Brubaker. He's the writer, of course. Uh, Penciler is Steve Empting. And then um, finishes are Steve Epting and Mike Perkins. And of course, the the colorist has been Frank DeAmata this whole time. And uh, editor being Tom Brevoort. So on the cover here. Yeah, yeah, Rick, 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 but you're, you're leaving something out here, buddy. You notice they've got, a, they've got a separate guy for the flashback art. Oh, yes. Yes, you're absolutely right. And those are integral to, to these books, man. Yeah. No, no, you're absolutely right. We got Mr. Lark. Yeah. Michael Lark. Yep. No, you're absolutely right. I did leave that out. Getting back to the cover. So. Uh, this cover appears to me to be like an homage to, um, is it Amazing Spider-Man 50? Yeah, I think it was Amazing Spider-Man 50, right? That was the, um, the cover that had a, uh, a red background and you had um, Spider-Man in his costume in the background, right? And he uh, has his back turned and then down um in the in the center you have a peter parker uh you know in his civilian identity kind of uh, walking with his head down uh, this seems really reminiscent to that because you have here um in the background the winter soldier so you have him uh, holding his rifle up uh, in a sniper pose and you have captain america walking with uh uh with his head down and just kind of holding his shield by the straps. Yeah. He looks dejected. He looks, he looks like he just, somebody just shot his puppy. New York city. And we have here in the Roxxon uh, building, um, which is now Kronos uh, due to the, uh, the buyout. And um, you could see that they're taking down the Roxxon logo and putting the Kronos logo up. 
And in there you have uh, Alec Lucan um, holding the, um, the cosmic cube. And Leon, his trusted friend, uh, basically is coming to him and telling him um, that they're, the, the, the CEOs are waiting on him. And he's worried. He's worried that uh, the, the, the cosmic cube is um, making him act erratically. And um, Alec didn't like that. And he tells him, he says, listen, uh, Leon, you're my oldest friend. But if you speak like that in this meeting, I will kill you. That's a promise. So then he opens up the door and uh, there's a whole bunch of these uh, CEOs sitting around a business table. And he says, um, I am Alexander Lucan, and this is the object you have come to see. Shall we open bidding at $100 billion? All right. So we cut to where the last issue left off. And we're in Steve's apartment in Brooklyn. And now we have Sharon and Nick are there and Nick sitting on the couch holding the files, the files of the of Winter Soldier. And you got Steve in his civilian gear and he's, uh, he's looking out the window. And Nick says, and you've got no idea where this came from? No, I've got a pretty decent idea. And Sharon says, the cube? What else? But why? Why has Lucan done any of these things he's done? To mess with your head, most likely. But this, if he really did put this here, it's like he's tipping his hand. I know. Still, it does continue the messing with your head theme he's been working on. Yeah, it does. Well, let's see what the text got to say about its authenticity. I'm assuming you don't mind if I take it. It can't get out of my home fast enough, Nick. Yeah, this really, it's really messed up. It's a nightmare. And it matches with everything else we know about the Winter Soldier, which is the only thing stopping me from tearing it to pieces. Because you think it's the real thing? I, I don't want to, but you realize what this means if it's legit? What? Sharon says that it's not really Bucky. It's just whatever was left of him that they could manipulate by, for their own ends. And Steve pauses and he looks at them and says, is that supposed to make me feel better? Well, it doesn't. And you should read the file closer, Sharon. He kept turning against them, and he disappeared when they sent him to America. There's some part of him, of, of who he is, still trapped inside. Somewhere inside that thing they turned him into is whatever left of Bucky Barnes' humanity. We don't know that, Rogers. He was my partner, damn it. He was my friend. And he's holding a picture looking at Bucky. And that's a nice transition. Uh, from that black and white photo to a black and white flashback. Camp Lehigh, August 1941. And we see a, a young Bucky uh, sparring with two guys uh, in, in the camp. And sitting in a Jeep is Steve Rogers in his uniform. And uh, he's there with a um, uh, commanding officer. And he says, what do you think of him? Which one, the kid? Yeah, the kid, who's four whole years younger than you, Rogers. Nice moves. I recognize a few of them. You should. He's been working with the same men who trained you. 
and he just got back from a month in the, in the UK with the SAS regiment that started up last year. Sir, you, you can't be thinking. I mean, he's what, 16? We both know he's not the only 16-year-old in the Army, Rogers. And he's about the best natural fighter I've ever seen, even before his special training. What's his name? James Buchanan Barnes. Goes by Bucky. His old man was career military. Died a few years ago. Bucky's been living here since. Sort of the camp's kid brother. When we talked about this before, me needing a partner, I, I never thought, I know, but just like Captain America has symbolic value, an American teenager fighting alongside him, that's a powerful symbol too. And if he gets his hands a little dirtier than most soldiers when no one's looking, well, that'll be our secret, right? All right. Let me meet him at least. Bucky's helping up one of the soldiers he knocks down. Next page. I just want to pause here for a second. Um, so, Brute Baker has established in this two pages that a couple of things here, right? He established that Bucky was 16, only four years younger than, than Steve Rogers. And so, okay, uh, he's a little bit older than how some of the artists have depicted him, especially during the Golden Age. But it makes more sense. Uh, number two, that um, it's really important that he's there as a symbol to attract young, you know, young men to uh, be interested in, in becoming soldiers, right? So I think it's more of a PR type of thing. And I think the third thing is um, he reveals that not only is he a, an excellent fighter, but he's going to do the dirty work, and it'll be our little, little secret. So it's kind of like Brubaker's making his own um, uh, alibi here, if you will, of, you know, hey, um, you know, he, 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 was, he was a, you know, he was a sniper. He did, he did you know, uh, espionage, you know, subterfuge. He did some, you know, uh, dirty work, you know, some maybe even some, you know, wet ops. I don't know. But he um, he's kind of saying that he did this all along, but they kept it secret because they wanted to keep it secret. They just, you know, they didn't want that to get out. Uh, yeah, that's I mean, those are all really good, uh, really good observations, Rick. And I think another thing is, you know, Brute Baker has said before, in fact, I think it was the 2007 Marvel Spotlight uh, that addressed cap issues. There was an interview with him in there. And I think, you know, he, he specifically took, you know, he, he just, he wasn't enamored with this idea that like during, you know, cap cap, not being uh, used to violence, right. Not using violence. And I think this is a little bit of a, he tried to, you know, make this, uh, you know, he tried to put that behind him when he approached captain America. And I think this is a little bit of a wink, wink to uh, that crowd, that uh, looks all the way back to the golden uh, golden age era and says, "Oh, you know, Cap never never killed anybody, right?" This is a wink, wink that says, "Yeah, <laughs> Bucky killed lots of people, but it was our secret, right?" And uh, it allowed Cap to keep his hands clean and be that sort of symbol um, that we sort of hold up as a guy that that doesn't kill. Yeah, that's, that's a great a, point. That's a modern take on Cap, you know that that came after Avengers Four, but but yeah. 
back in the golden age, he, he got his hands dirty just alongside Bucky. But uh, so I think this was a little bit of a, like a kind of a wink, wink to the, to the readers about that. Yeah, no, excellent point. So next page, uh, we've come back to present day. Steve's now in his uniform. He's got his mask off. He's walking to the ceiling. Um, he's walking to the roof of his apartment building. And uh, there's Sharon uh, with a uh, with a car on the on the roof. Um, you know, one of the flying cars. Those are so cool, right? And so she's on the uh, on the hood. She's got her her foot up, holding her knee. Uh, so Bob, I was expecting some sort of comment from you here, like uh, you know, like oh, yeah, that would make a that would make a good um, calendar, you know. Uh, it would. I'm not sure who I'm more interested in, uh, Sharon or that car. Yeah, that's a nice car. So she says, Steve, uh, I thought you left with fury. No, I was hoping you and I could talk. I'm not really in a talking mood. How about a listening one then? No because I know what you're going to say. Oh, and what's that? You think because he's got no memories of who he used to be, that he's just some programmed assassin. You think that makes it okay to kill him. On the next page, it's not Bucky, not in any way that matters, not to you. All he is are the parts that remember how to kill Steve, and, and that's what he's doing. I don't give a damn about the skull. But Jack Monroe, all those people in Philadelphia, Neil, Neil Tapper. That's all Lucan's doing, Sharon. You're blaming the gun instead of person pulling the trigger. I know who's responsible, but what I'm trying to tell you is he isn't your partner, your friend anymore. And if you go into this thinking of him like that, don't worry about me. He already died, Steve. And there's a pause. Steve turns to look at her. Yeah, I was there. Next page. That doesn't change the fact that he's walking around out there right now under the control of the exact kind of people he spent his life fighting. That's not what I'm saying. I know you're going through hell, Steve. I just want to make sure we all know what... I don't know anything anymore, Sharon. And I'm beginning to wonder if I ever did. And he puts his mask on and he dives off the, the roof. So she gets on her, her intercom. Nick, yeah, no, I blew it. I think I used to know how to talk to him, but yeah, yeah. Make the call if you can. Maybe he'll have better luck than I did. So Cap's got the shield on the back and he's running on the rooftops. So we cut back to Alexander Lucan, who's with the CEOs, and they're all bidding. And I mean, it's getting up there, man. You know, 120 billion. Uh, someone's saying they're going to throw in some stock options. 150 billion, and then and then somebody says, "Wait, wait a damn second! Just hold on, Lucan. You're enjoying this, seeing us fall all over ourselves. But how do we even know that really is the Cosmic Cube?" And he says, "You're Philip Hockney, right? From Chemozone. You were the deciding vote that refused Cronus buyout offer." That's correct. <laughs> it doesn't seem to go very well for him. <laughs> He's got the cube in his hand. He's like, aren't you the jerk? So he says, uh, and now you'd like some kind of demonstration that really is what I say it is? I think we're all owed at least that, don't you? 
Well, you'd think the fact that you were all here at a secret meeting together would be proof enough. Since there's never been a time when you traveled without your security, and I can assure you it was the cube that made you seem like it was a wise idea, which it wasn't, but still perhaps a more concrete demonstration is in order. And in right in front of all the CEOs at the table are glowing documents. Gentlemen, what you now see before you are merger agreements. These papers will make your corporate corporation subsidiaries of Kronos. As you sign them, notice how this cube in my hand sparkles. Notice how you suddenly want nothing in the world so much as to become a part of Kronos. Now, aren't you happy you asked for that demonstration, Hockney? Yes, sir. Mr. Luke and I am. Our guests will be leaving in a few minutes, Barton. Make sure they get to their destination safely. Of course, sir. So then he's alone with Leon. But um, uh, all of a sudden, uh, Alec you know, almost faints, and he, he falls against the wall, and he drops the cube. And he says, what is it? Nothing. I, I, I just lost my, for a moment, I, I thought I lost my, and, and Leon goes and he grabs the cube. This damn thing? You honestly believe this much power comes with no price? And he turns around, and there's Lucan holding up a piece of furniture. Don't you touch that. And then he nails him, his friend, his childhood friend, with this piece of furniture. So then we cut to the next page, and we have Cap still running uh, on different rooftops. And I got to tell you, um, you know, the art here is amazing. Uh, you know the 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 backgrounds of the skyline in night at nighttime, um, the, the perspectives. Um, you know, there's this one part where he's uh, he jumped down onto a pole to um, to uh, kind of spin and, and leap up, and you get this really cool perspective looking up at the building. Um, just it's a, it's a really good page of these five panels, and then you have Cap's inner monologue, and says. Damn it. This is no way to function. Work through it, Steve. Anger will not help you deal with this. It'll just make sure that whatever you do next is the wrong move. And you can't afford that. You've let Lucan push all your buttons too easily so far. You can't afford anything but a clear head from this point on. He's counting on you, whether he knows it or not. Bucky is counting on you. So then we uh, go back into a, uh, a black and white flashback. And it's in uh, the Netherlands, September of 1944. And they're on a bridge and Cap's, um, Bucky's firing a, a machine gun. He's saying, we can't hold it. And, and Cap's like, we got to hold it. But the, but the troops are, are really not appearing to be up for it. And uh, they're, they're about to get uh, uh, rushed. But all of a sudden, instead of, of the soldiers rushing, it looks like their comrades are, are coming back. And they're all kind of walking uh, quietly. And, um, you know, they're like, oh, the prisoners that, that Bucky's like that they're sending them back. It doesn't make any sense. And they're like, hold your fire. And then Bucky is the one who notices. Oh, my God. No. And he sees that the. Um, uh, oh, well, cut to the next page. And as Bucky was yelling, no, now all of a sudden Steve come, comes out of his flashback in his memory. And he sees uh, there's a, a woman being uh, assaulted in an alleyway. 
and uh, Cap just flicks his shield, hits the guy, it ricochets up uh, as he's bouncing and uh, catches it in the air. And um, again, a couple pages here of some really cool acrobatics. And he says, no, it wasn't him. That was not his fault. None of it is. Don't forget that. He's not responsible for his actions. Not in control. He's not in control. And he'd hate that more than anything. And and why would he hate that more than anything? Well, we're learning in, during this flashback in the next page, we see uh, Bucky looks uh, and he notices that the soldiers, that uh, the prisoners that are walking across the bridge, they all look to be like zombies, like brainwashed. And um, he, he recognizes it. And uh, um, there's a big explosion. Uh, it was a booby trap. And uh, they lost some soldiers, unfortunately. And and Bucky says, "Ah, oh, Cap, those those sick Nazi sons of, I know." And the guy says, uh, "One of the guys who was calling out to his friend that he thought was coming back, he's like Clive, my mate." And Bucky says, "What's he saying? What happened to Clive? He was my best, best." Cap says, "We got to move, Bucky, now." Wow. Yeah. So. Steve cuts back, uh, to, you know, to present time. And he's like, that's really the problem, isn't it? I know what Bucky would do in this situation. I know what he want. He want me to do whatever it took to stop him. God, I can't believe I'm even thinking that Sharon might be right. That I might have to. No. There has to be another way out. He's still. And then coming from behind Cap as he's on the roof, um, there's someone saying, Hey, you're not going to jump off here, are you? And we turn the next page and it's like a three-quarter splash and it's the falcon landing on the roof. Because it took me half the night to find you. And I practically had to talk to every pigeon in New York State to do it, man. Falcon? Yep. Got a call from Nick Fury. Said you might need a friend. Yeah. Yeah, I really do, Sam. To be continued. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, so we've got Winter Soldier Part 5, which is in Captain America number 13. This one had a cover date of January 2006. Uh, Steve Epting on the cover, and we have um, Cap uh, coming from a skyline behind him, charging. Behind him is flying as Falcon and Iron Man. And um, this is, of course, still Ed Brubaker, Steve Epting, and uh, uh, finishes our Steve Epting and Mike Perkins, colorist Frank Diamata, and editor Tom Brevoort. So we cut to inside, and it's the New York offices of the Kronos Corporation Med Clinic. And we see Leon in a bed with bandages on his head and a patch on his eye. And Alexander Lucan sitting in a chair, kind of hunched over. And uh, the doctor says, so he should be stable now, sir. What about brain damage? Can you tell? 
It's a little early still. We need to see how much of the swelling goes away first. I'm more worried about saving that eye, frankly. I see. And Alexander Lucan looks down at his hands, and they're bloody. So he stands up and he says, damn it, this cannot continue. So we cut to the next page, and it's uh, Brooklyn, the secret home of Steve Rogers, and Falcon sitting on the couch. Cap, as seems to be Steve Epting's favorite pose, is him standing with his hands on his hips and his back to uh, the reader, uh, looking down. And Falcon says, and here I thought my life was complicated. I mean, Fury gave a few details, but damn, that's that's serious mind bleep. You're talking about, Steve. Oh, believe me, I know. And you think this Lucan guy is out for revenge on, on you from back when he was a kid? Yet he waits over 10 years after you come out of the ice to make a move? You and I only met because of that, Cube Sam. And one of the many times the Skull's plans for it went wrong. Got to be something else going on there. Unless he needed the Cube for his plan to work somehow. Yeah, the Cosmic Cube... Really hope I'd never have to hear those words again. You ever notice how that works? No one's ever been able to use that damn thing and have it turn out the way they want. Like all those bad jokes about the guy who finds the magic lantern. It does seem like that, but we can't assume it'll be that way for Lucan, considering how flawlessly his moves have been executed so far. How easily he's been able to get under my skin. He's got advantages there, Steve. One in particular. Bucky. Yep. Got you thinking you might have to put whatever's left of him out of its misery. No way that's not going to rip you up inside, make you question yourself in circles. But the only question that really matters, Steve, is what do you want to do? Steve looks out the window, turns and says, save him. Somehow. Falcon says, good. So how do we do that? So we cut over to the Kronos building. And there's Alexander Lucan putting the Cosmic Cube in a container. And in the background, standing, is Winter Soldier. And Lucan's giving him orders. You're not to let anyone else handle the package. Do you understand me? Yes, sir. That's the most important detail. This isn't like the last time you carried it. Now it's got power, real power. You're to kill any man who even attempts to touch it. Whatever you say, sir. Was that a tone there in your voice? I guess so, sir. Just seems like a waste to me. Went to a lot of trouble to get it, and now you just want to bury the thing. Keeping something this powerful out of the hands of my enemies is a way of controlling it. Any reasons beyond that are my concern, not yours. Of course, sir. This isn't the first time you questioned my orders, soldier. See that it's the last. Sir. Yes, sir. And he hands him the containment. And he leaves Lucan there. And then Lucan hears a voice. Sending the cube away, Alexander? That's a mistake. I've done what I needed with it. It's a big mistake. No. That thing is cursed. And then we cut the next page to New York's Lower East Side in the next morning. And uh, there's these two guys working on a huge, I mean, we're talking, you know, probably 30 feet tall exoskeleton. 
and um, they're part of uh, this organization called AID, A-I-D, and um, they're kind of, uh, one guy's messing around with it, the other guy's telling him to get out, and the next thing you know, um, the wall blows up, and there's, on the other side, Iron Man holding up his repulsor ray status, and Cap in the front says, all clear. And then the two of them with the Falcon walk through. Any readings once behind those doors? Cross-referencing building schematics with s- satellite readings as we speak. It's not crowded yet, but nearly every warm body in the building is moving in our direction fast. Good. Isolate the ones that aren't. Our guys will be the ones running for the exits. Hang on, Steve. I've got this. And... um He's firing at uh, at all the uh, the soldiers coming. And Cap says, no, Falcon and I will handle this, Iron Man. You just concentrate on finding our targets. I can do both, Steve. Ever hear of multitasking? So they're, uh, they're firing at, and there's a little, you know, fight going on uh, with the, the three Avengers going up against the, uh, the soldiers. Um, Iron Man says he's got a lock on the men heading for the roof. And um, Cap tells him to go for it. But right before he, Iron Man can make it, um, he's hit by, remember I mentioned that guy in the big exoskeleton? And um, he's learned how to fire it. And so he, he shot Iron Man down. And now he's firing at Cap. It's a pretty heavy-duty gun there he's got. Um, so Cap says, Falcon, get to the roof. Don't let them get away. And um, so then Falcon heads off. Uh, and Steve and, and uh, Tony are, are fighting. Falcon busts through this, the uh, the roof um, and uh, to track down the guys, then leaving the Cap and Iron Man fight. And um, nice little melee going on, some good good battle scenes, some good acrobats. Uh, really cool scene with Cap uh, leaping in the air with his shield uh, holding it on one side, using it uh, as a way to like just uh, shove the shield into the exoskeleton um, and break through. And then, of course, Iron Man does the rest. Um, so Falcon comes back with uh, one of the uh, creepy little mad scientist guy. And the uh, guy says, what do you want? And Cap says, simple. I want you to tell me how to track a cosmic cube. So then we go back to um, Stark uh, enterprises in New York city. And Tony's there, uh, on the computer and he's, uh, talking about trying to, to track down, uh, based on the information that they received to track down the cube, um, has a good idea of where it is. It's, uh, in transit going to a Kronos, um, location. And, um, so now they know where to, to head toward. And Steve asks, so why would they be taking the cube there? Tony says, I don't know. It's an underground facility that NextGen hasn't used for years. But it does have a nuclear-safe vault, even further below the surface, for keeping in-development projects safe from corporate theft. Falcon's like, so for some reason, the psychotic ex-Soviet general is taking the Cosmic Cube to a fallout shelter? This sounds like trouble to anyone but me? Yeah, we've got to go. And Tony all of a sudden says, hmm... I said this is where it gets complicated, and it does, because I can't go with you. I barely fought off a takeover from Kronos last month. 
had to personally convince half the board to vote against it. The money was so good. And after the hit our stock took when the Avengers imploded, if Iron Man's part of a raid on a Cronus facility, Steve says, you could lose your company. To put it bluntly, yes, the board would see it as a corporate warfare and turn on me. All right, Tony, you sit this one out. So Falcon gives Steve a little bit of a hard time saying, man, we could really use Iron Man as a backup. But Cap's like, eh, don't worry about it. So he reaches out to Sharon, uh, mentions where they're going. Um, and so she goes ahead and puts together a, uh, a, um, a crew. So he sends her uh, everything he's got digitally. And so um, just let him know that they're en route. And she's like, well, wait a minute. You should have called me sooner. He said, so Fury can get tied up in red tape again? No, thanks. Just consider this a reliable tip that there's a weapon of mass destruction at the coordinates I just sent you. Roger's out. So she gives it a second thought, and she's like, this is Agent 13. I need a strike team ready now. So they get to uh, the mountains in West Virginia, and uh, they land Tony's plane, and Falcon and Capper are ready to go um, to try to find. And, and they realize that... Um, that uh, most likely Winter Soldier got ahead of them. And, and an interesting part here, uh, Sam asks about, he says, man, Sharon sound like a real hard ass there. Whatever happened to the happy-go-lucky Sharon? And Cap says, well, her last boyfriend was killed in the Philadelphia bombing. And she was never that happy-go-lucky. But she did used to smile more often. So uh, they're going in, and Falcon takes to the sky uh, to basically kind of uh, check out what's going on. And um, so they see that they're already here. And uh, guess who realizes that Sam and Cap are here? And that would be Winter Soldier. So you see a scope on Sam. You see a scope on Cap. And uh, he's got his his uh, rifle up, and he's looking at him, and he hears in his voice his his command from Alexander Lucan. This isn't the first time you've questioned my order, soldier. See that it's the last. You're to kill any man who even attempts to touch it. Kill any man who. And Bucky puts down the rifle, gives it a thought, picks it back up. And he fires. And that's the end of that issue. Holy cow. This is some tense writing, you know? I mean, what's going on? I mean, these cliffhangers at the end of each episode, at the end of each issue, you know? I'm like, you know, it really leaves you wondering. I mean, I'm glad I didn't have to wait for the next issue to come out. uh, You know, I guess we did back in the day, but we don't now. uh, Because it's, uh, it really leaves you hanging, wondering what's going to happen. Yep. It surely does. Um, so you wonder who he shot at first, right? Did he shoot at uh, Falcon or did he shoot at Cap? And if I'm Winter Soldier, I would shoot at Cap first because to me that would be the bigger threat. Yeah, yeah. So we'll find Although, out. Yeah, we're going to find out. You know, I just, I do want to say though, you know, back uh, toward the beginning of this issue uh, when, uh, you know, Falcon comes upon Steve. Uh, I, I love that, that conversation where Falcon closes it with good. How do we do that? Yeah. You know, he's not there to question. He's not there to judge. 
he's caps, he's Steve's friend, man. And he's going to support him and help him, man, man. That, that is just, that relationship is just so awesome. I agree. Yeah. Cause you almost thought when Sharon asked Nick to call in Sam, it was going to be to, to talk him out of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And but, that ain't how Sam runs, man. He's, nope. He's a good friend. Yeah. All right. So issue 14, uh, by the way, before I, I get into this cover, which is really cool. Um, I don't know if you've been paying attention to comic prices lately, but there are three specific issues to this run that seem to be the ones that people are looking for. Uh, issue six, which is the first appearance of Winter Soldier. That one, that's going for major bucks right now. Then um, issue 11, which is the origin issue, right? They had all those, that uh, was part three of the story. It had all the flashbacks. I guess people want that one because it's, um, you know, tells you tells you how Bucky became Winter Soldier. And then for some reason, uh, this one, issue 14, is uh, also uh, a hot item right now and is going for major bucks. Um, and uh, we're about to tell you why as we read the story. Um, it's, a, so it's, the- a, it's a great cover, Rick. And, you know, Hasbro uh, came out with the toys. It has a reprint of this, too. It's, it's also an awesome little uh, little pack. Oh, cool. Yeah, well, and so the cover is um, by Steve Epting, but it, um, the, the, the Steve Epting part is Cap versus Winter Soldier. So they're going at each other. But the background to this cover is a, um, uh, it's a reproduction of the June 1943 cover to Captain America Comics number 27, uh, by Alex Schomburg. And so that's a nice little um, homage to, uh, you know, here's here's Cap and Bucky together, and then here here's the Cap and Winter Soldier fighting each other. So it's a really cool cover. Yeah, and I like that they've, uh, you know, they kept the colors true in the, uh, in the original art, uh, which could sometimes be squirrely, right? I mean, sometimes the Bucky's colors were yellow, sometimes they were red. And of course, the striping on the shield was uh, very inconsistent. So, you know, I, I think that's really cool that they tried to keep it true to the Golden Age feel. Yeah, I agree. All right. So, uh, written by Ed Brubaker and pencils and inks by Steve Epting and colorist Frank Diamata. So, we open up, and this page um, is you see the Winter Soldier as a sniper. And he had his scope on Falcon's head and he fires, but he hits the tree. So it was the Falcon, not Cap. Interesting. And then he says, no way did I miss. And then he, next page, he then moves his rifle to go look where Cap was. And what's the hell? And in the scope, you see Cap's shield flying at him. And he's like, Oh, bleep. And he jumps out of the way just in time before Cap Shield hits him. And he says, Winter Soldier to all teams. Code three, hold the gate. And by the way, this is like a bunker, right? Uh, on the side of a mountain. It just in case you want to see the visual of this. So there's a forest around, and that's where Cap and Falcon were hiding in the forest um, on the edge. Um, whereas uh, Winter Soldier was in the front of the bunker. And uh, now he, uh, it says, 
next page is moments earlier. And we see a, uh, a falcon flying around, not the falcon, a falcon. And it's looking, um, flying over top of the Winter Soldier. And, um, and at that point, the falcon, Sam says, cap above the entrance, three o'clock. And he flies up, bird spotted him. So that's how he got tipped off that uh, he was about to get fired on. And you see Cap, Cap saying, got it. Move in, Sam. Go. And you see him throwing his shield. So that's that's what was just moments before. And then we see in the next page, the shield ricocheting back to Cap. And uh, he says, direct hit. Sam says, direct hit, Cap. But he's on the move already. This guy is good. And Steve kind of says under his breath, I know. Believe me. And Sam says, and he's got plenty of backup. And sure enough, uh, half a dozen soldiers come out of the, the door to the side. And Steve says, there's no time for this, Sam. I'm going right through them. Do what you can to protect my back. Right through? And he does. He, he just charges through and he's nailing them with the shields. But he doesn't stop, stop and finish them. He just goes through to chase uh, Winter Soldier. So leaving Sam to, uh, to, to fight um, the remaining soldiers that were standing. So the next page, um, we hear it's Steve, it's Sharon. Are you in yet? Yeah, no sign of Lucan so far, but the Winter Soldier's here. Where are you? About two minutes out. Listen, I've been searching the schematics for that place. What's the problem? There's a network of tunnels accessible near the secure vault down below. Tunnels to where? All through this mountain range. If you scrubbed his... If you scrubbed his mission, he'll go to plan B, which is probably to get away with the cube. And if he gets down there, he's gone. You have to stop him here or he'll be back. To, we'll be back to square one. No, there's no going back now. I'll stop him. And he gets through a few soldiers that were there. And as he's about to go through a door, Winter Soldier hits him with his robotic arms. Says, no, you won't. And he hits him real hard in the head. And he says, you're something else. I'll give you that. But no one stops me. And Cap, who's on the ground, is getting up and he says, yeah, well, someone has to. And I can't fail you again. And he punch, uh, He goes to use the shield to punch with and, and uh, the Winter Soldier hits it. So there's a big clang. Um, so just when Falcon gets done outside, taking care of the four soldiers that were left for him, all of a sudden, another five come through the through the door with guns pointed at him. And he's like, oh, damn. But all of a sudden, firing comes from the from the tree line. And it's Sharon and her soldiers. And so um, she says, secure that entrance. And I want three of you running uh, a sweep inside now. So Sam says, well, look who's who the Calvary is. Sam, it's been a while. Too long. Wish we had time to catch up, but I know. I'll scout ahead. We've got to find him. He can't do this alone, Sam. And so there's Winter Soldier and, and Cap fighting each other for a few panels. We get to the next page, and Cap says, This is pointless. I'm telling you right now, Buck, you're not making it into that elevator. I think you've got me confused with somebody who gives a damn what you think. And, um, he he feigns with his um, 
a knife in his right hand to make Cap put his shield up. But then he takes his robotic arm and backhands him in the head. You're still here? That punch should have put you down for good. And Cap comes up and kicks him in the head. Tried to kill me. Is this really all you are now? Is there no part of you that knows what you used to be? Shut up. You were better than this. Shut up. You don't know me. And he goes to uh, jump on Cap, who flips him through a, a window, breaks through a window. And Cap says on the next page, and you don't know how much I wish that was true. But popping up is Winter Soldier with a new weapon. You're wrong, but thanks for the toss. This is just where I wanted to be. So um, they're fighting again, and Cap's like, remember, remember who you really are. You were, and Winter Soldier says, you were supposed to be tough, but this is weak. Remember who I am? The only thing I am is the man who's going to kill you. So Cap just drops to his knees. He opens up his arms. He says, fine. Then go ahead. Shoot me. If you truly don't know me, then just do it. And you see Winter Soldier pause for a few panels. But then he takes the pistol and he fires uh, at Cap. And Sharon and Falcon are running in. And Sharon says, Steve, no. But then... um, Cap uh, throws the shield and it ricochets and hits the Winter Soldier who drops the package and the cube falls at Steve's feet. And Winter Soldier says, dodge my, hey, no. And Cap, looking at the Winter Soldier, holds up the cosmic cube. And all he says is, remember who you are. And at that point, you see the, cube glow and Winter Soldier grabs his hand uh, around his head and he, he's, he starts screaming and Cap says hold your fire Sharon well, he just tried to shoot you Steve just trust me it's okay and we get to a double page splash oh very cool oh yeah and it's it's uh, it's kind of in a um a flashback kind of brownish color, rust brownish color, and you see Winter Soldier on his knees, uh, holding his head down, and he, he's it's like he's in tremendous amount of pain. And um, in the background, you see different memories. You see Cap in World War II saying, "Look out, incoming!" You see the Red Skull. You see Master Man. You see him with with uh, a young Buck at. Uh, Fort Lehigh. Um, we see uh, Steve falling off uh, the drone plane, saying, Drop off, Bucky, let go. I can't, I'm stuck. You see a Baron Zemo. And then you see the Winter Soldier, or you see Bucky, I should say, uh, from the explosion going into the water. And then you see him as Winter Soldier. And then he's with um, Kapoff, um, who says, You are my finest creation. My twisted joke on the Americans. Let us drink to their demise. So he's just he's just down saying no, no. 
So Steve comes over to him. It's okay, Buck. It's, it's going to be okay. Sharon's holding a weapon on him saying, Steve, step away from him. Sharon, it's over. Let it go. This isn't the man who killed your friend. Not anymore. So Sharon puts down her gun. And then looking up, it looks like a tear in his eye. Cap? What, what did you do? How can I? No, you should have just killed me. And Cap comes over and puts his hand on his shoulder. And the uh, Bucky takes the cube out of his hand. This thing, this damn thing. All those innocent people dead for this. And he's like crushing the cube. And Cap's yelling no. And this like big blue energy comes out. And Bucky's gone. And Cap's like no. Damn it, no. Sharon's like, is he? Sam says, you heard what he said right before he grabbed it. What do you think? No, no, he he's not dead. He's just, he isn't. I think Sam's right, Steve. He couldn't live with what he had done to him. He wanted to die. And there's just kind of a, a scorch mark on the ground with smoke. Cap says, no, Bucky's a survivor. He's out there somewhere. I know it. And then we cut to Fort Lehigh. And sure enough, Buck is back where it all started. And as he's there, he's remembering having a flashback to when he met Steve. Because if you remember, we left off with Steve saying, I want to meet him. So you hear the officer saying, Private Barnes, you stand at attention when in the presence of officers. Sir, yes, sir. That's more like it. Now, I brought someone I want you to meet. This is Corporal Steve Rogers, also known as Captain America. If you can pass muster, you're going to be his partner. And Winter Soldier is just sitting on the ground again, holding his hands. We cut to the last page, and it's the Kronos building. We have Alexander Lucan at nighttime looking out into the cityscape. And you hear the voice again. You're a fool. I told you it was a mistake to send the cube away, Alexander. And now you've lost it. I'm not concerned. It's just as well it's been destroyed, if you ask me. It's one of the most powerful objects in the universe. You simply throw it away because you hurt your friend? Such a weakling. You could have restored him to full health with just a thought and brought back your precious socialist republic with not so much more effort. No, I've learned something you could never. That nothing you wish for with that thing goes well. The cube is cursed. Look at, look at what it's done to me, after all. Putting a creature like you inside my head. And if I had more power that night, I'd be the only one here, Alexander. You got lucky. Or we both got cursed, trapped together like rats in a cage. Yes, for now. The end. Oh, and that was that, that, that reflection looking back at Lucan in the window. <laughs> oh, that would be the red skull, of course. Oh, no. Beautiful. 
just a, such a finely crafted tale. Yes, absolutely. hundred percent. All right. Well, I got to say, um, you know, there was a lot of stuff from the movies. They, uh, they took from this story, right. They took, um, I mean, one of the, the bigger parts was at the very end when, you know, in the movie where Steve Rogers confronts winter soldier on the helicarrier and he puts down his shield. This is like, you know, me, I'm not going to fight you. And, um, you know, so that was obviously, you know, taken from here, just, just as Steve got on his knees and said, shoot me, you know, if you don't know me, kill me. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, amazing story. Yeah, you know, there's like, you know, let's be honest, right? Sometimes you you come across a, uh, a particular story arc, and and the art's great, but the story's not so good, or the story's great, and you know, the art's not particularly appealing, right. or there's just something off. But but you know, this this uh, this arc, uh, not just with uh, Brew Baker and, and Epting, but the flashbacks with Lark. I mean, everything is and Mike Perkins and Mike Perkins. I'm sorry, and Mike Perkins. Yeah. Uh, everything is so finely tuned. I mean, yeah. it, it, this is perfection in my view anyway. I mean, I, different people can have different views, but they're wrong and I'm right. And <laughs> this is, this is, this is as good as it gets. Yeah. Yeah. It really, it honestly, a hundred percent does. Um, this is, this is a classic story on many levels, not only because it did what no one ever thought could be done, but it did it well. And it not just did it well, it did it like, you know, just spectacularly. And, um, so yeah, it's totally a classic story. And, um, gotta say, I, I agree with you when it, when it comes to comics, you know, listen, as a Captain America fan, you know, I, I have going back, you know, from 100 to now I have, you know, all the tales of suspense. Um, so I've been with, I, I've been collecting on a monthly basis, Captain America since issue 286 back in 1983. I haven't stopped, right? So that's, you know, we're talking a long time. I've been through many periods where they didn't have, the writing didn't match the art or the art didn't match the writing. It's a beautiful thing when the two of them come together. And uh, I got to say, volume five as a whole certainly seems like that. But this particular arc, uh, 100%. Yeah. And I think, you know, you know, we've uh, we mentioned the writers and, uh, and the pencilers and, and of course, uh, the other contributing creators. But, you know, I got to give props to the editor for, as we talked about last uh, episode, bringing the talent together to, yeah. uh, to, to put together the symphony. It's a symphony, Rick. Right. You know, because uh, and we'll talk with Mike Perkins um, next episode. Uh, well, next non We'll we'll talk with him because uh, uh, the next episode is going to be Falcon and Winter Soldier review. But um, when we get to episode twenty three, um, we'll talk with Mike about this, right? Because he he was not only the inker or finisher for Steve Epting on several issues, but he also was the penciler um, for many issues as well. And um, then you have guys like Luke Ross and Butch Geis. And um, I know I'm forgetting somebody, uh, Michael Lark, right? Okay. So, you know, you have all these guys with um, similar styles um, or at the very least 
they made their style similar, you know, for this, this series. Um, so yeah, cool stuff. All right. So next episode, we're going to be talking about uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier episode three. So we'll have a reaction for that uh, coming out on Sunday. Um, following week, uh, every Wednesday, we have a new episode. So we'll have uh, episode 23 will be Mike Perkins. Um, and then um, uh, we got a couple other guests uh, lined up as well. So uh, be on the lookout for that because uh, we, we, uh, we've got some special treats coming up. All right, Bob. Well, as always, uh, I've enjoyed wrapping cap with you. This is this has been a particular joy, uh, Rick. This this two part because uh, everybody loves this. Uh, everybody loves this run. Everybody loves this arc, and it's particularly relevant right now with uh, with the TV show. So this has been a lot of fun for me. Absolutely. All right. Well, he's Bob Lucius. I'm Rick Verbonis, and you've been listening to the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. <music> Thank you.